Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash stuffpodcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash stuffpodcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. I'm Ray. And I am James. And this is where we talk about everything Star Wars, especially what the news. <laughs> and uh, yeah, welcome back, James. You haven't been on the podcast for quite a while. What's been it, going on? It has been a while. I do apologize, everybody. I've been very busy. Uh, have a lot of stuff happening in my life right now. And but today I had some free time and I was like, I'm, I'm joining. I want to I want to do this. So I'm really excited to be here today again. So, yeah, thanks for having me back <laughs> and not kicking me out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, the big news this week was the fact that JJ did an interview and he was asked specific questions about Star Wars. And did you guys see the interview? Have you did you hear anything about it? I saw parts that are probably taken out of context, but I didn't actually happen upon the full thing. Okay. But, so I'm going to play. Oh, go ahead, James. No, no I was going to say when you hear the interview, he, he, he does everything he can not to say the word <laughs> star Wars. And we didn't have a plan. If you hear the question, the question is about star Wars, but then he, he talks about other things but he never says Star Wars, and I'm pretty sure he's he's obligated. He cannot say something bad about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you play when you play the clip after the question, you see him like think. <laughs> probably like, okay, how can I say this without you know really messing this up? So yeah, let's it's it's quite it's quite nice to hear. Okay. So I'm gonna play it right now for everyone to see on YouTube and hear. One of the things I liked about the Star Wars franchise that you guys did was that the creative handoff between you and Ryan Johnson, which I felt, you know, it, it was letting filmmakers take their own stories and take, take the story where they wanted to go. And I felt that played out in a really interesting way, but I know not everyone feels that way. And I'm curious for you as the person who helped get that foundation off the ground and also concluded it, do you feel like that trilogy would have benefited from planning out a very strict three movie story from the very beginning, or do you, enjoy that kind of creative freedom to kind of take the characters different ways and kind of see how it goes. You know, I I've been involved in a number of, of projects that have been, um, uh, you know, in, in most case series that have ideas that begin the thing where you feel like, you know, where it's going to go. And then sometimes it's an actor who comes in uh, other times it's, a relationship that it, as it's written doesn't quite work and things that you think are going to just, you know, uh, be so well received, um, just crash and burn and other things that you think like, Oh, that's a little small moment. That's a one episode character suddenly become a hugely important part of the, the story. And I feel like what I've learned as a lesson a few times now, and it's something that, that in, especially in this 
uh, pandemic year, uh, working with writers, the lesson is that, you know, you, you have to plan things the best you can. And, and you always need to be able to respond to the unexpected and the unexpected can come in all sorts of forms. And I just, I do think that, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing more important than knowing where you're going. And there are projects that I've worked on where we had some ideas, but we, we hadn't worked through them enough. We had some, sometimes we had some ideas, but then we weren't allowed to do them the way we wanted to. We had, I I mean, I've had all sorts of situations where, um, you know, uh, you, you, you plan things in in a, in a certain way and you suddenly find yourself doing something that's 180 degrees different. Um, and then sometimes it works really well and you feel like, wow, that really came together. And other times you think, oh my God, I can't believe this is where we are. And sometimes when it's not working out, it's because it's what you planned. And other times when it's not working out, it's because it didn't, it's like, you just, you, you never really know, but, but having a plan, you know, I have learned in some cases the hard way um, is the most, you know, critical thing because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what you're, you know, uh, what to emphasize, because if you don't know the inevitable, of the story, you know, you're, you're just as good as your last, you know, sequence or, or effect or joke or whatever, but you want to be leading to something inevitable. Okay. The things that we wanted to do, but weren't allowed to hardcore has to be Finn and Poe, right? Right. <laughs> I, I think that was the first thing I thought of and I'm a hundred percent sure. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder, you know what I mean? I wonder. There's gotta be an aspect. But here's the funny thing about that was Poe was supposed to die in The Force Awakens. Like he's not supposed to be at all in the movie. And mm-hmm. and then through the like I don't know whether or not they had already started had they already started filming or was the movie about to get about to go and when they told Oscar Isaac, "Oh, by the way, we're going to keep you alive through the rest of the movie." I'm like, not sure how what the what the timeline is for those shots for those particular scenes, but the story is uh, kind of famously talked about that Oscar Isaac went up to JJ Abrams and asked him, Hey, look, is it okay if I don't die? Cause I've died in so many <laughs> movies recently. And that's kind of a weird like thing for an actor to ask a director. Can you please change the entire script for me? <laughs> I thought, but yeah, that's, that's the way the story was said to the public. So I'm not quite sure. The thing that really kind of makes me wonder, I don't think anyone's talking about, I listened to, a lot of people talk about this interview. I read a lot of articles on this interview. It's the 180 degree comment that JJ makes. It's almost like he's trying to tell us that he did have a plan, but Lucasfilm nixed it. They they said, no, we don't want to do that. They already said no to, to Colin Trevorrow. And then JJ, it seems like he had something, but they said, no, we need to do this instead. That's what it kind of felt like to me in the interview without him saying it directly. I don't know yeah. what, what, what guy, what, what did you get from it? Uh, I mean, as I mean, I'm not like uh, a big writer or director. I mean, I've done a few things and I've, you know, I've brain, I've been in brainstorming meetings where you're have, well, you have an idea and sometimes you'll write a whole script and you'll be like, this is the story. This is what we're doing. And then out of nowhere, somebody will say like, oh, what if this happens? And then the entire script changes the other way. And you're like, oh, that was, I never even would have imagined something like that. So that's what I think about whenever, whenever he says that. 
but you probably are right where he did have an idea of what he wanted to do and what the conclusion of the whole thing should have been. And, but Lucasfilm through, you know, their, uh, their marketing and their like feeling out the public. They said, ah, I think the public wants this. I think they want to see, they want to see this. And so there's the, the big argument are, do you want to make the fans happy or do you want to tell the story that you set out to tell? And we can see with Mandalorian, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are killing it with giving the fans what they want, but then also being like, we're not, we're really not paying attention to what like the outside, like sources are wanting us to do. We're writing, we're telling the story how we want to tell. So part of me is wondering if, I don't know if, if Lucasfilm listened too much to what, I don't know, like, what people were wanting to have in this movie. I mean, right. So you think it's possible that the Mandalorian is a reaction to what the sequel trilogy was. I, in a way, part of me says, yes, part of me thinks, and you know, I'm a, and I've I've said it before on this thing. I, I love Kathleen Kennedy. I think her record shows for itself of how amazing she's, she is from the eighties, nineties, 2000, like all the way through. Um, I, I have a feeling that she was rushed to get these three movies out yeah i think that's 100 percent a fact that they rushed them out i think they were and i one one of my friends was like why didn't they just release the first you know the force awakens in 2017 that would have been the 40 year anniversary of a new hope and then you think back to when she hired michael arndt to write the screenplay he told her it's going to take me about three years and she still hired him i think she was like yeah that's plenty of time because you can write the script and we can get everything ready and I can get this movie out at this time. But then I think somewhere along the lines, they were like, and you said it was probably like shareholders and everybody was like, no, we need that movie out like quick. So yeah, ROI. Him, bring in Abrams, bring in Kazdan, start this thing up right now. And I mean, it was great. Force Awakens is exciting, but then you start to think like, man, was that the plan? Was she trying to get that 2017, 20, even 2016 release and then go from there? We're never going to know. I don't think they'll ever admit to that, but that's kind of my thinking was they rushed those movies, unfortunately. Yeah, I think because The Force Awakens definitely feels like they had a plan in place. And then I think it just with conflicting creative minds kind of got like moved around. And so then you have JJ back for the third one of the sequels trying to like put all of the directions that everybody went with their own creative ideas like back into one coherent piece to like Mm -hmm. wrap it up and i feel like that's that's really hard to do because like there was a lot of storylines that branched off with the last jedi and then trying to bring those back in with what your plan with was with the force awakens and then your original ideas probably being nixed by disney and lucasfilm and just trying to find that like balance of everything is probably one heck of a nightmare situation. Which which is why I don't think we get a lot of fun J.J. Abrams on set stuff, because I think he was stressing out the whole, that whole production of The Rise of Skywalker was... I yeah, which is totally expected and should happen. I mean, growing up as a fan and then having that responsibility to bring the franchise back after so many years after 2005, I mean, I mean, the pressure and just the weight on his shoulders Mm -hmm. my god Uh, that's that's one of the things i really thought about leading up to the force awakens it's like how 
do you function as a human being <laughs> being a big star Wars fan and having that responsibility, having to focus on creating something that is going to please a studio, going to please the shareholders, going to please the fans. I mean, what do you do? Do you just totally disconnect yourself from your consciousness and kind of vicariously like live through yourself? I mean, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, did it, I was going to say, everything you just said is what Christopher Nolan said, why he did not take The Force Awakens. Because they asked Christopher Nolan to do Star Wars, and he was like, no. He was like, there's... And everything you said was pretty much what he said in the interview, where he was like, you know, that's a lot of pressure on one director to bring this to life, you know, because I don't know who's going to do it, but whoever does it, all power to them, because that's that is crazy. And then Christopher Nolan would have been... I don't know, that would have been a crazy, different movie. Yeah, because he does kind of like really heavy films, doesn't he? (laughs) Like the only the only stuff that I've seen by him is pretty heavy, or at least like dark in colors and tone. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a really interesting Star Wars movie. And I believe every director in Hollywood was asked to do Star Wars. Like every, I think David Fincher, Guillermo del Toro. um, Oh, Guillermo would have been so weird. (laughs) I would have loved to have seen that Star Wars movie. Um, So many directors, but um, so. I, I just read this book, and David actually is the one who um, who uh, recommended it, the the secret history of Star Wars, and it's a, it's a it's a it's a like it's thick, and it's pretty it's pretty uh, eye opening to read what George Lucas was doing and what he was saying to the to everybody else. You know, they were like, so you had a plan this whole time? He goes, yeah, yeah, there, it's nine films, it's it's nine films. We. You know, I've, I have it all written down, but then the guy says, but he had nothing written down. He maybe had a couple of pages of like, this is what could happen, but this, I don't know. And it wasn't until A New Hope came out where his like, the nine movie plan came out. There was even a 12 movie plan uh, for a while there, but then he said, no, it's only nine films. Um, Let's make and, it 12. Yeah, exactly. He He had it 12 until the production of, I think, Empire Strikes Back. And then he said, it's just three movies <laughs> because Empire Strikes Back was, he said, was one of the hardest productions he'd ever like been a part of how much money they were spending. And so when you get to Return of the Jedi, and this is where history repeats itself, if you may, when you get to Return of the Jedi, he had to change how Irvin Kirshner, the style that he did with Empire to make it more of the friendly kids movie for return of the Jedi, which is why there's a huge shift between empire and return of the Jedi, because that's, he said, it's getting away from me. I don't want that dark stuff. I want this right here. This is what I want. And Kaz Dan was like, no. And then even um, uh, Gary Kurtz ultimately left because he was like, this is not the way we should be going with this, with these movies. But he was like, no, no, this is the way it should be. So, in a weird way, it happened again with with the sequel trilogy. I mean, do, do y'all think that that's like a similar situation that happened? Yeah, I, I think it is a very, very similar situation. And we, we're aware of it because we're hardcore, like insane Star Wars fans. But <laughs> the outside general public thinks that George Lucas had a complete plan and he made the films the way he wanted to. But if you do listen on Audible or read that book, The Secret History of Star Wars. He clearly was just laying the tracks right before the train, really. I mean, and he was retconning stuff constantly. I mean, 
Luke yeah, and Leia weren't supposed to be brother and sister. Vader wasn't supposed to be the father. I mean, that stuff popped up in in the in the uh, in the writers' room. You know, I mean, they figured out okay, this is a whole lot better way to tell this story, and yep. it's way more interesting. And I mean, it's the Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest sequels of all time, if not the greatest. So I mean, it worked out in that situation. But like JJ says in this interview, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And you're kind of left with what you get. And a lot of people weren't happy with the sequel trilogy. But, I mean, we did get a lot of great stuff from it. I, I love Ray, Finn, Poe. Um, I love the Porgs. I mean, I, I love what they're trying to do. But, I mean, I mean these, these movies are finite. There's only so much you can talk about and tell. There's a whole lot more in the books. And in the upcoming TV shows, we're going to get a whole lot more character development. And a whole lot more story. So it's kind of just one of those things that um, you got to juggle so many balls in the air. It's 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 a difficult thing to to kind of please everyone, so to speak. Yeah, you're juggling a lot, and then you got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yes, yeah, definitely. And finding that balance, I I do not envy them. Um, but I think I think the sequels need time, like the prequels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, when I was growing up, the only thing I knew about Star Wars is that the prequels sucked. <laughs> that was it. That was my knowledge of Star Wars as a kid. So, yeah, I got to imagine that it'll, something will happen and they'll shift into like that nostalgia. Yeah. I would hear people say that. And I was like, they do? <laughs> I was yeah, like, I well, was- I kind of liked them. Yeah, I was amazed that people didn't like Jar Jar. I had no problem with Jar Jar. I'm not even like being like trying to be funny. Like Jar Jar was just another Star Wars character. Like, yeah, that's all he was to me. He was like three PO. He was like you know any other Star Wars character that was Jar Jar. And then and then I saw that there was a lot of hate for Jar Jar, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, what? And then I started seeing that people were like, yeah, the prequels suck, man. This is not Star Wars. And I'm like, but it is Star Wars. Like I understand it. And years later. I could see what people were talking about, and it amazed me that people hated it that much. But I think the Clone Wars cartoon, like, saved the prequels. Yeah. Right now, the prequels are super respected and loved, and like people. And then plus, Ray, your generation, yeah, yeah, and then your generation, Ray, like, is is older, and y'all have a bigger, you know, you know, bigger. what I'm trying to say, like a lot more people, you know, are old enough yes. and are talking about it. Um, and so now they're like, Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars movie ever. And I've heard that so many times that people say the, the Revenge of the That's Sith so is, weird. is the yeah. greatest Star Wars movie <laughs> ever made. And I'm like, I'm not mad at them. I'm just like, wow. Like, I didn't, like, I love Revenge of the Sith, but I was like, I didn't know, like, that it, for some people, that is the pinnacle of the Star Wars story, you know? Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And for a while there, it looked like nobody loved the. <laughs> the prequels but now there's this huge love of like oh my god this is the best this is the best so we, we're having mandalorian right now and we're gonna have a bunch of other shows i think somewhere in between there the sequel trilogy is gonna get that that extra like oh my gosh you know the rise of skywalker is the best star wars movie out there you know what i mean like yeah. i think something weird I, something like that's gonna happen i would love a clone wars tv show with like the prequels or the sequels characters like how you have like taking place between the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker. Cause there's a year there. So there's a year's worth of stories you could do. Oh, that. Yeah. But Damn. when you mentioned Jar Jar, I just had an unlocked memory from my childhood. Um, 
when I was at a babysitter's, uh, she had Star Wars straws. And like when you drank from the straw and like the liquid went through it, it had like a giant character head on it. And when the liquid went through, it spoke and she had a Jar Jar Binks one and I didn't know what it was. (laughs) And so then years later, I'm trying to tell my friend who knew Star Wars. I was like, yeah, there's this really weird alien creature thing on a straw and had big floppy ears and I tried drawing it out. She's like, that's not a star Wars thing. You're just stupid. And I'm like, Oh my God. And then years later I was like, Oh my gosh, it's Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Jeez. That's, that's now, that, that was mean of her to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but now I want to, I want to find those straws again. <laughs> I, 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 I catch myself on uh, Mercari and eBay looking for old episode one stuff. Cause, cause I know we talk about a broken record, but episode one merch, <laughs> the push for that was just the craziest. Like, the, like you said, they had a straw that that spoke to you while you drank. Like, that is, you it's so weird. That's such a weird concept. <laughs> Feels no, like but, a fever dream, <laughs> dude. Yeah, David will say all of episode one, like lead up, was a fever dream because it was like anything you could think of had Star Wars on there. It, everything had Star Wars on it, and the infamous Jar Jar Binks lollipop. Remember that one? Yeah, remember that? Or it was a mouth that opened up, and the what you what you would eat was the tongue of Jar. Oh! And for some other reason, somebody thought that was the best. That's almost <laughs> as that's almost as bad as a C three PO tape uh, dispenser. Remember, it's like C three PO is doing like the crab walk, and the tape you pull the tape from the middle of. Yeah, they made that. <laughs> it's a why. Thing. I don't. Yeah, after- someone actually took one to celebration. It's like three PO, like in the crab walk position, yeah. and the tape that you pull. It's coming out of his crotch. Yep. Yeah. And okay. I, 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 and I they want, showed it to Anthony Daniels, and he was like, oh, my God. I want a collage of all the weird – like, we need to start a thread in the Facebook group of just the strangest Star Wars merch. Oh, you'll find some. You'll find some. It'll be from the first movie and from uh, The Phantom Menace, like, because it was nuts. Like, somebody posted the the picture of the uh, the Pepsi – Star Wars Pepsi um, – uh, soda can you know uh dispenser and i was like man i want one of those i i don't care i want a and then i even said they need to bring back this the pepsi episode one cans again just for fun because why not but uh anyway okay so so here's the funny thing about what abrams said and how everybody said star wars doesn't have a plan so one of er, the early early ideas that george lucas had was that in episode nine, the emperor would finally reveal himself to be the ultimate villain and that in episode nine, the villain would die and the emperor would finally die in episode nine. And that the new trilogy, seven, eight, nine, was going to follow a new character and Luke would come back as the Kenobi character in that one. George Lucas had this in his head in the 70s and the 80s, that that was what was going to happen. So we get to the sequel trilogy that kind of did happen. But the problem was when he did Return of the Jedi after Empire, he wanted to end it. He was like, I don't want to do anything else of Star Wars past this. So what does he do? He retcons Leia being Luke's sister out of nowhere. He's like, she's the sister. That's how it's going to work. Uh, the Emperor is going to die so we don't get another big villain. And that's it. It's over. And then he's like, I'll go back and tell the rest of the stories, but it's going to just lead up to this. Um, and so that's why Return of the Jedi, when it ends, it's so finite because Lucas himself was like, that's that's it. I'm not doing any more. And 
I, it, it kind of makes me wonder if Abrams knew about this earlier idea that Lucas had and said, okay, I'm going to, let's try to tell that early, early idea. But in the process, somehow Palpatine returns. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, how, I mean, how did you feel about Palpatine just coming back out of nowhere in the Rise of Skywalker? Because I think that's the biggest, like, the biggest argument of the Rise of Skywalker is that Palpatine somehow returns. I mean, what do you think? What do you think, Ray? Like, was that like out of nowhere or? Um, it felt a little out of nowhere because he was just absolutely like there was no hint of him throughout seven and eight. If you had mm-hmm. like a subtle, like tiny Easter egg, that would have been a, a little helpful. But also the fact that they just say somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> That's like, well, well, now I want to know how, like, I've got so many questions and I feel like this is kind of something you could explore, but we don't get that answer. What's his name right after that? I'm going to call him Mary from Lord of the Rings because I can never remember his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, Dominic Monaghan does say right after that, he says cloning dark, uh, uh, dark, dark Sith you know, magic. And he says that, meaning that that was almost like that's their explanation. It's like cloning dark sith magic and then that's it we don't have to explain anything else after that what do you what do you think david was palpatine's return just like oh okay or do you wish they would have done something differently or was were you okay with palpatine's return when we were at star wars celebration 2019 in chicago and we heard the laugh at the end of the trailer we all lost our minds and i think that was the approval right there yeah we want him back but how he came back was the important aspect of that. And like Ray said, I mean, he just kind of shows up and that goes back to having a complete thorough plan of him showing up from the very beginning so that, yeah, you can kind of foreshadow his impending return, which it really didn't kind of do. They just did the whole pass the baton thing from director yeah. to director for the story. So, cause like in that same scene, Leia says like, he's always been there. Like, pulling the strings from the shadows or whatever. But like, there's no hint that he's always been there in seven and eight. So I, I think if you had like stuck little hints in there that had like him, like, Oh, this might be Palpatine pulling the strings or made it like Snoke more obvious that he was connected to Palpatine. I don't know. I think that would have helped with his return. I think there's a few parts in the movie because now I, I am 100% certain that Mandalorian is trying to tell that story. Like they're trying to get to us to that part. Yeah. I think that, that's what they're doing. I think that's what Favreau is like, okay, I can get you out there. But but what I think they could have done is like in The Force Awakens when Snoke is talking to to them, he could mention like, my master said this and blah, 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 blah. And then we'd all be like, who was Snoke's master? Like, how, yeah. who, who? And then, and even in like the Force, I mean, in the Last Jedi, after Snoke is dead, and after, um, after uh, Kylo Ren is by himself there, after he picks up the dice, if something would have happened, then he like looks over and he because he feels something else is present. That would have made more. We've all been like, oh, what if that's Snoke's master? Who's Snoke's master? And then we would have gotten the laugh, and we'd be yeah. like, oh no, like it's he was there the whole. And I think that would have made that transition. And I think we all anticipated that with Palpatine coming back in the rise of Skywalker, that there was like going to be this amazing reveal. We're all going to go like, Oh, it makes all so much sense. But then Oscar Isaac says the line, somehow Palpatine returns. You're like, dude, no, man. Like, we, <laughs> well, we I mean, way more than that. 
it, it already uh, is a little weird just from the opening crawl with the dead speak and that there's this broadcast about the emperor. Mm-hmm. So Palpatine started a podcast and that's how he came back. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Palpatine started a podcast. And now podcast I want to listen to it. Now I really want to listen to what he says because I think it's going to be amazing. But um, but yeah, I remember when I first read that line at the, the opening crawl of Rise of Skywalker, did you, okay, when I read that line, I went like this. Oh, okay. Did y'all kind of have that same reaction when it says yeah. the dead speak? Well, because uh, when it just said that, like, there's like this broadcast about how Palpatine is out there. It's like, is it a credible source? Like, what is, where's it coming from? <laughs> How do we know uh, to get on this frequency, you know? Yeah, like, like, okay, I could just jump on and broadcast something being like, hey, bananas aren't real. Somehow, and then, somehow Ray returned. <laughs> and then just be like, okay, who's, just because I, I heard it on a podcast, so it must be true, right? Exactly. I mean, Actually, Ray. Uh-oh. Bananas aren't really real. Oh boy, here we go. But that's another hand. I thought it was corn wasn't real. Both. Well, yeah. Because corn is so genetically modified. Yeah, we as humans, we created what bananas are today from another. See, you heard it on podcast. It makes it true. (laughs) (laughs) We can go into detail about why corn and bananas are not what they're supposed. But anyways, um, uh, but so I okay. So there is a moment in the Last Jedi. Where Pal or Snoke, yeah, there it is, right there. Where Snoke throws Ray up, and he's telling her, "Give me everything." He's like, and then she's up there screaming. John Williams goes with Palpatine's score right there. You're the do 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 do. We'll never know why he went with that. Maybe because it's a cool villain theme. But the 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 op the the, the guy who's like, "Oh, Star Wars always is good." Part of me thinks somehow Johnson heard or abrams was like i gotta do it somehow and johnson was like well i've already filmed the whole movie i don't i had no idea and i think they asked john williams can you throw in his theme at a part that is like like good to where people will be like that's the emperor's theme and and then so that was my that was my thinking of like johnson knowing that this was going to happen and him being like well if i would have had a better idea we could have done way way more with it but I, the best we can do is have his music in here yeah we'll never know though we'll never know that full timeline and i I want someone to do what this other author did with the secret history of star wars where he does the entire sequel trilogy just so we can finally understand what happened behind the scenes because yeah. what happened behind the scenes was almost as dramatic as what we saw on the screen itself like i mean would, would y'all want to finally have a definite answer about that or do you want to just kind of keep it a mystery what do you think I think I'd want I I'd want I just want to soak up all the information I can because I yeah. love I love movie making and I love Star Wars and behind the scenes stuff is some of my favorite stuff to look into. Mm-hmm. So what, I, what do you think? I would just want everything. Yeah, I echo the same thing that Ray just said. Um, I I want to know the truth. I'm very interested to see how it all kind of happened and how it came together and who made the decisions and just what really happened. But like you said, I don't think we're ever really going to find out exactly what happened until we get some type of like tell all book, kind of like the secret history of star Wars. 
But yeah, I I listened to it on Audible, and Josh Robert Thompson does Lucas's voice perfectly. Yeah, like the you... most amazing Lucas impression I've ever heard here. <laughs> like to the point where, like the fourth or fifth time he does it, I'm just like, "That's George Lucas talking." I don't care. <laughs> like, that's that's him. But uh, but yeah, sorry, sorry, go on, go on, yeah. Nope. Yeah, I I really want to see. I, I wonder about it all the time when we talk about behind the scenes stuff, and it, it's it's so kind of disconcerting, kind of depressing that Star Wars doesn't have this huge archive of behind the scenes stuff that we can revisit over and over again. I keep on pointing back to the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. It's, there's so much stuff there, so many interviews, so many behind the scenes. And it's always shocking to see something brand new that they release connected to a new film, just like The Rise of Skywalker. They did that whole huge documentary, and they drop all this old archival footage that we had never seen yeah, before. Never seen before. And it's like, never. whoa! It's like, what else do they have? And of course, famously, Gareth Edwards found those canisters of A New Hope footage that he placed in Rogue One that we had never seen before either. So... I'm always kind of wondering what else do they have back there? And I think back to the scene in Indiana Jones four, where they're going through that warehouse and the Ark of the Covenant falls out of one. It's like they went to the Lucasfilm archives and shot that scene because they do have an arc there. Several arcs probably. But, you know, I I saw a a documentary about the, uh, this gets back to your uh, Lucasfilm head, you know, archives. I I saw a documentary about when they created the edit droid Mm -hmm. uh, for like the first fully digital, non-linear editing computer which is insane to think that these dudes back in the 80s were like we can we could do this and they did they did but it was too expensive but anyways um they went back to the archives and the archive everything is just thrown in there like they actually showed what it looks like inside yeah. this might be at the ranch itself not like at the but everything was just thrown in there and they're like it's right. over here somewhere <laughs> and they're like and i'm like look at all that stuff that's in there how come i'm pretty sure since then they've they've they right, might. yeah, it's all curated yeah. now. There's actually yeah. a job at Lucasfilm. Where I think there's two okay. people that Good. actually wear white gloves when they go in there and touch things now and like show it to the camera. They they were doing a segment on the Star Wars show when it was like week to week where they would go visit the archives and they would pull out stuff and they would say, yes, this was used on screen in Rogue One. This is the blaster yeah. they use here. And yeah, that's an awesome job to have, man. Because it's like, what do they give tours? I don't think they do for the general oh. public. So My it's like costume or heart. I need, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, they have everything in there now. But it, I, I honestly think that this curating, I know we're getting off topic, but it's still Star Wars. But this curating thing <laughs> in the, the archives, all that came in the past like 10 years because when they were doing yeah. the, um, uh, when they were doing the, the, sh- the reshoots for A New Hope for the special edition, when they were doing the do backs out in the desert, they were like, okay, this actor had this particular stormtrooper outfit with the orange thing on the side over here where is it and they looked for like weeks for this costume and they could not find that costume and finally somewhere in the corner in this chest they open it up and they're like there it is oh my gosh like it took them so long to find that thing which makes me realize like man they they were just kind of like somebody will deal with that later yeah my try checking planet hollywood too there you go (laughs) but um but it just it just blows me away the behind the scenes of the sequel trilogy and how just how crazy it was and how you have some fans who are like the the sequel trilogy is the best tri- trilogy in Star Wars and then you have other fans saying it's the worst thing to ever happen to Star Wars and it's not canon 
you know, like it, it just blows me away. It's canon. I mean, I'm not going to be one of those yeah. guys. It's canon. But I, <laughs> I, I follow I follow this guy on a TikTok, and he did a. Um, he's pretty cool. He he likes Star Wars, so I'm like, hey, you like I like Star Wars too. Anyway, um, he did a marathon where he watched the the sequel trilogy back to back to back, and he said, I want to see if it actually does flow because he's I haven't done that yet, and I was thinking I haven't really done that either. Where I've just watched all three movies in one sitting, and he says that because this is his opinion he says from force awakens the last jedi to the end of it he says you can tell that the story was there like there was kind of this idea they had that they were going towards at the end of the last jedi but the rise of skywalker completely changes what both of those movies were doing and then they were like and here we go like this is the this is the ending that we we, we want to get to and it's like yeah okay and he says you know why does ray you know ray goes back to tatooine he goes, but what does that mean to her? I mean, it's just it's it doesn't have a lot of meaning, but it does have a little bit of meaning. But he says that looked like more of fan service than anything else to end it there with her at the twin sons looking. And I'm thinking, yeah, I can see that argument. But at the same time, that's the home of Luke Skywalker. Like she's got to go and pay tribute there. Um, it was an interesting way to look at it that, you know, the rise of Skywalker kind of just had to like Ray said earlier, where you're like, I got to we got to finish this thing somehow like there's all these different pieces we have to put together and it was almost impossible for that movie to be good like do you think it had the chance to be good or was it always going to to fail what do y'all think i think if they had more time to like if they had like put it off Mm -hmm. and like spent like an extra year or something on it uh it could, I mean, that could also make it worse. I <laughs> who knows. It could, it could it's more worse. more time to mess mess around with stuff, or it's more time to correct stuff. Um, but I think I think getting more time. Also, I just think that it would have fit better to make it like four movies, so you can fit in like more content and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know enough. if you can hear my dog, but. Yeah, we can hear him. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm fine. You know, I, I like what you say because it does feel like the Rise of Skywalker should have. Because if you remember the the original trilogy, there was three years in between each movie. It was 77, 80, and 83. But when we get to the sequel trilogy, Disney was like, you only get two years in between. Like, you got to get these movies out now. And it, it felt for me like it would have all of us fans would have been perfectly fine if they pushed the Rise of Skywalker back another year. Like we all would have been like, oh, man, they're getting something good ready for us. Like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And I think even Abrams was asking for more time. They weren't they going to try to release it in that summer. And then he they were like, no, it's going back to Christmas time. Like it was it was crazy what they were going to try to do with the Rise of Skywalker. And now who? Yeah. Who was pulling the strings? Who was saying, no, it's definitely going to be a two-year thing? I'm pretty sure Disney was telling Lucasfilm, you got to get these things out quick. They're going to make us millions and billions of dollars. Fans are going to go see them. Just get them out quickly. And yeah. so what happens after Rise of Skywalker comes out, Lucasfilm is able to finally like halt everything and say, okay, we're going to take our time now getting these things done and even uh even mcgregor said yeah he says they went back they're going back and they're redoing a lot of the scripts for the kenobi series because they want it to be like the best it could possibly be so i think after kennedy was able to do that she was finally able to say okay just stop let me run the business how i want to run it 
And then here we go. Mandalorian season two, Bad Batch, Book of Boba Fett, the Kenobi. Like it's all starting to like be like boom, 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 boom. And as David has said before, it's just so unfortunate that the sequel trilogy was that first thing they had to do to 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 get to where we are now. And it's like, yeah. man, like it's such a it's a, I don't know. But I like I said, I still like the sequel trilogy. I still think it's a lot of I still think it's a lot of fun. It's a cute dog. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. it 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 is disturbing to me how non-precious they were with the new trilogy for Star Wars. It, it, they didn't treat it with, I think, the respect that it kind of deserved and rushing it and not having a finite plan. But, I mean, their plan was to go with different directors, and I thought that was a cool idea. And I kind of knew that, I mean, we all know it went from Lucas to Kirshner to Marquand. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the original trilogy so i didn't have an issue with that um and they picked the director that i wanted with jj he came off of star trek 2009 and i thought that was a great film oh yeah i later found out that a lot of trek fans hated that film yeah <laughs> and i i loved into darkness as well and people will point back that jj doesn't know how to finish things because they point back to lost and they didn't like that ending and they didn't like I guess the ending of the trilogy with Star Trek, but JJ didn't have a lot to do with loss. People still kind of get that kind of story kind of misinterpreted because it was all Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse that ran that show. JJ was responsible for the concept and the very first episode. And after that, he was gone. He, <laughs> he was like executive producing. So it's just kind of one of those things. So it's, it, like he says in, in the Collider interview, sometimes it works out great and sometimes it doesn't when you don't have a plan. And sometimes when you do have a plan, they don't go with the plan. They go with something else. I mean, let me let me ask you this question. I mean, it's, it's kind of bothered me because you said how Abrams is a great like he, he gets things started. And he's right. Like, he's a great starter. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the mystery box um, approach to Force Awakens was the best idea for Star Wars? Like the whole we don't know who Kylo Ren is. We don't know who Ray is. We we don't know who like who fit like there was this mystery about these characters that took over the everybody's like life after the Force Awakens came out. Um, would would it have been even during the movie The Force Awakens? Would it have been bad for us to know that Kylo Ren was Han Solo's son before The Force Awakens came out? Would that have been like? A, a, a miss or would that have just been like oh that's how did how did that happen you know what i mean like w- what would have been better for them to reveal it in the movie or for when they promoted it they said like you know han solo's your father or something like that like was the mystery abram's style good for star wars is what i want to ask yeah i think it was good um it mirrors what we got before in the original trilogy when we got the big i am your father um, and, and the re- reveal in Return of the Jedi that Leia was Luke's sister. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's classic Star Wars stuff right there. So, but but that was over the span of a couple of movies. Whereas in right I, I, for for me, when, well, see now, that that leads to that that makes the audience think, okay, well, there's even bigger reveals that are going to happen, and that's what we were anticipating. True, and we didn't. We ultimately didn't get. A lot right, because the big movies. thing that they didn't figure out was the whole Snoke popularity that mm-hmm. we were like thinking, okay, who's Snoke? And we wanted that question answered. We really didn't get it until, I guess, Assistance and, in the and, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and we saw him in like Back to Tanks or whatever and kind of 
had to make the assumption, okay, well, he was a clone then, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, and that goes back to the JJ interview where he's talking about little things here and there become huge things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they anticipated that. And I think there has to be, I've said this so many times, there has to be a position at Lucasfilm where someone has the pulse on the fandom and is going out and watching the videos and like kind of reporting back, this is what the fans are wanting. And that leads into my next story that I wanted to talk about. Dave Filoni being the executive creative director um, yeah. of Lucasfilm and in story, he's talked about the reason why Bad Batch exists is because the whole Clone Wars save movement. Fans asked for it and begged for it and cheered for it. And he's given us more Clone Wars in the Bad Batch, which which is a creation. It's also created by Lucas. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's... I mean... That's why that story was so huge last week was the fact that we're getting someone in a place of of power at the executive level that knows Star Wars, that has the track record now. All Dave Filoni had left to prove was live action. He's already proved that he has the chops for it. So I think right now we're in a good spot. But going back to what we were talking about, I mean, it's it's um, I mean, it, you you have to have a plan essentially i think and you got to stick to it but i mean there is nuance there there are variations i mean if someone comes up with a better idea it's it, the moral of the story is it's hard to make movies that people love you know oh yeah it's, it, it, it's super difficult to you know to please everybody like there and again like i said i don't think there was i'm not trying to go against what you said ray but i, I honestly don't think there was a way for the rise of Skywalker or, or episode nine, whatever it was going to be called before that. I don't think there was any way it was going to meet everyone's expectations. Oh no. You know, e- even return of the Jedi did not meet everyone's expectations. And if you honestly, if you look at the, um, the rotten tomato score, if you may, or if you look at the, what the critics, it, it, when they got to return of the Jedi, everybody was like, oh, okay, Lucas doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Like that was kind of what people were saying, even though it's a beloved movie, fans love it to this day. When it first came out, it, people were kind of like, "Oh, that's that's kind of a lackluster ending for it. Just it's a it just all wraps up in a big bow and it's over. It's it. That's it." People wanted more from the Return of the Jedi, but some people consider that one the best Star Wars movie. And I know David said growing up that was your favorite. Is it still your favorite, or is it, it was like your favorite growing? It up? fluctuates between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Yeah, um, yeah. And when I was a kid watching Empire Strikes Back, I was like, "Yeah, I gotta watch Empire to get to Jedi to get now." To so I gotta Jedi. watch Empire and <laughs> listen to Yoda. So, <laughs> yeah, no. But now, I, yeah. I mean, all that stuff is like fantastic. I mean, once you like dissect everything that's in that film, and then Kirshner's directing. I mean, it's incredible it, what it's, happened. It's crazy to to hear those interviews with Kazdan and Kirshner and Kurtz who were like this is what star wars needs like this empire strikes back is the next has to be the next chapter and this is the where it needs to go and lucas hating that direction that they went he was like it's too dark it's too it's there's it's too complex for it's not this is supposed to be a kids movie it's not supposed to be one of these things and then these three were like no this is this is the story that we need which is ultimately why he doesn't bring back Kirshner to do Return of the Jedi. I mean, I don't think Kirshner wants to do Return of the Jedi. I think he was over it. But it, it, it just amazes me that the middle chapters of the sequel trilogy and the, and the original trilogy were so kind of like, well, that's not really the way it was supposed to go. And then you get the Rise of Skywalker or Return of the Jedi, where it's like, all right, now we got to finish it all up and wrap it all up and be like, boom, boom, here we go. I mean, 
I personally think The Last Jedi was good. I think what they were trying to go for and how they were supposed to end it with Kylo Ren being the ultimate villain was was awesome. But then, I don't know. I think Carrie Fisher's passing messed up all of that. All of that planning they had was was completely just thrown out the window. I mean, that's the story that was kind of going around when nobody really talks about it. I mean, what do you think? What, what, what do y'all think? Do you think Carrie Fisher's passing was had that big of an impact on it to where they had to change it? I think so. I think because they were very limited uh, with how they could involve her because they used like archive footage Mm -hmm. of her performances and like cut scenes and stuff. And so you only had certain bits of dialogue and reactions that you could play with. And to me, there's like one or two moments that you can definitely tell she's cut into it and mm-hmm. they worked the dialogue around her. And I think if you had her actually there, the story would be different because you could involve her in different ways. But I yeah. feel like they were just very limited with what they could do. What do you, what do you think, David? Going back to what you were, what you were saying about Irvin Kirshner not wanting to do Jedi... I think he kind of did, but Lucas said, no, I don't want you back because he wasn't oh, satisfied yeah. with Empire because it was too said, dark, like you, like you said earlier. And Kirsch took too long to make the movie. That <laughs> he, he, he hated the fact that Kirsch was... That was the funny thing. They were like, he's making the movie. He's getting those shots. He's getting everything. And Lucas is like, it doesn't matter. Just just put the camera, get the... And then let's go. But no, anyway, sorry. Back to, so what was the question again? <laughs> uh, back to uh, was Carrie Fisher's passing probably that that catalyst that m- made us that pushed us to the rise of Skywalker. Right. I'm trying to remember the timeline, but once she passed, did was Trevor Rowe fired after? I believe so. Okay, because was... yeah, I think that threw the whole kind of plan that they had at that point into. I think they had to trash the whole thing essentially. And I think yeah. Trevorrow had to come back with a new story. And then I think that might be the reason why he was let go. And JJ was brought back because I think JJ had the advantage of already shooting stuff with Carrie Fisher for the other movie before Harrison Ford broke his ankle. Yeah. So he had all that in the can already. And that's what probably put, JJ and, and Kathleen's favor to direct Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, her passing I think changed the course of those of, of the last two films big time. Or the last film big time. And here's something else that makes me go like, man, it, it, it makes a little more sense now. So back in the day, whenever uh Galaxy's Edge was first coming out, Trevorrow was said, like, oh yeah, that ship, that shuttle that was supposed to be in my movie, and they yeah, the tie echelon. So we all thought, oh, that's tribute to Colin Trevorrow's design. The design was really cool. But then if you think about it, Batu is supposed to take place and everything that happens at, at, at Black Spire is supposed to take place between eight and nine. Mm-hmm. I 100% certain Black Spire was created with Trevorrow's trilogy, like what was supposed to lead into his trilogy, which is why that ship is there, which is why that that the Falcon is there. Like it was all setting up to to go to episode nine which is it's not a tribute to his his thing i think that was supposed to be well is that in the trevorrow script lead what the 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 tie fighter well uh galaxy's edge black spire but no no not i mean it's not but like 
Well, I mean, what I mean is the fact that the ship is there, the fact that all that happened. I, I think maybe they do make reference. I haven't read the script in a while, but they do make reference to it. Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, the way the story goes, the ship was supposed to be in, in Trevorrow's film. Yes, but it never appeared anywhere after. Exactly. Yeah. So we got I'm, it at Galaxy's End. I'm certain that they, when they built it, they were like, "Oh, this is gonna go into Episode Nine. And then when that didn't happen, they're like, "Well, it's still here because it looks cool." And so, well, yeah, I think there. that's totally, totally the story, to, totally what happened. We, yeah, it was, it was supposed to be kind of like a big piece of of Rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker, and then everything changed. Everything changed, and yeah. it's like, man, and he, I didn't realize how far into that production he was for it to be creative differences as they mm-hmm. they said ultimately i mean he was like they had concept art they had i think a couple of drafts of the script they had he'd already talked to the actors about it and like it was it's 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 kind of crazy to know that what could have been and would that movie been better i will we'll never know i mean yeah. i'd like to think maybe but oh well at least we're getting you know mandalorian to kind of get yeah. us there yeah. hopefully <laughs> And it feels like this person's in charge. So, yeah, I, I think finally now that he's there, I think we're Star Wars is is gonna start to like the the, the new trilogy is gonna be amazing because he's gonna make sure the story is all gonna flow together. So, Ray, are you a fan of the Bad Batch, or are you kind of like yeah, I like Bad it? Batch. You like the Bad Batch? Yeah. What about you, David? I like it a whole lot more than I thought I was going to like it. Me too. <laughs> I guess I knew because the characters, you only see a little bit of them and, you know, and, you know, season, you know, the final season of Clone Wars. And I was like, okay, these guys are cool. But I don't know if I can watch a whole show with these guys. But for the moment that started, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is really cool. I like these guys a lot. And I, I'm, I'm pumped. I am so pumped to see where this is going to go. I have a feeling it's going to end super tragically and sad, but yeah, I, I don't know after the Phoenix Shan episode and how many people are after her after Omega. I'm like, man, I think something really terrible is going to happen toward the end of it. And we're all going to be like, Oh man, do you think Lucasfilm would do that? Do you think they would do that to in a cartoon? Yes. They they would. Yes. <laughs> have you seen all of the Clone Wars? Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say I've seen some pretty dark stuff in Rebels and in Clone Wars, especially in Clone Wars. I've seen some stuff in Clone Wars. I'm like, like whoa! Like even as an adult, I was like, oh my gosh! They just chopped that dude in half. But yeah, I I think they're gonna Rogue One a lot of the Bad Batch. Which how do you, how do you a lot of? So some people are gonna survive. You think? Uh I like to think Omega's gonna live, but then part of me is like, I think she's also gonna die, and it's gonna be really, really, really sad when that mm-hmm. happens. And it's I don't know. I don't know where you go with this story. Like where where Rogue One ends, a new hope starts, you know, because it's like, oh, here we go. It all they all killed them, they all died, which is really sad, but they all did it for the mission. And where where does Bad Batch leave? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I where are we building to with the yeah, Bad Batch? I it, it kind of makes me nervous. I mean, what what are y'all's predictions about this, about this show? Well, it's not going to be pretty because in every single episode, Wrecker hits his head. <laughs> and oh yeah, the only thing I can see is when Crosshair's chip was starting to work, he was having head pain. And now Wrecker's having head pain and he keeps getting his head hit. Hmm. And I don't like it. <laughs> can you imagine them having to kill, having to kill Wrecker? Because no. He's about to kill, he's about to kill them. No, I think, mm-hmm. I think because Omega knows about the inhibitor chips that she might know of a way to like 
fix it. Mm. So she'd like save the day there. I don't know. I don't know. But Wrecker and Omega are the absolute cutest duo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I, I like that Omega was as great as I was hoping she would be and then like better. Like when her her character in the first episode, I was like, oh, she's going to be great. I'm going to like I like where this is going. David, what do you think? Are they got a rogue one, everybody or or what? I'm kind of hoping they play against that stereotype. We all figure they're all going to die. We don't see them in the future. What if they all live and they just live on the periphery on the outer rim of Star Wars and we just don't run into them because the galaxy is so huge and in the skywalker saga or skywalker stories but yeah i i really like all the characters i mean it's it's working for me d bradley baker is just awesome with those voices man so who is voicing omega do we know actress i saw her name finally okay credits and i was like i don't know i don't know who she is but So I posted a meme in our Facebook group of how she pronounces the names of the characters. And I, I, yeah, I thought it was cute. I didn't have any like ill will or bad intention on that. I wasn't Uh making fun of her accent or anything. So someone made the comment. uh, So is it okay now for us to make fun of the way people speak? I wasn't making fun of the way people speak. Uh, I was just simply like pointing out the way it sounds. But I love that character. I actually kind of want to move to New Zealand. So, because I, I actually love the Kiwi accent. But I kind of fell in love with New Zealand with the Lord of the Rings appendices on, on the extended edition. Yeah. And to, to find out how that country works and the fact that there's no snakes in New Zealand, that, that's a plus. <laughs> I'm going there right now. <laughs> actually, like... That's why my stuff looks like bags I'm packing to go right now. I'm just kidding. Like... And yeah, it's a really cool country. But yeah, I really love. Omega. I, I didn't think I'd like that character as much as I do, but it feels like we do see like her her character like coming to the forefront and her actually maybe being something that we all didn't think she was going to be. I mean, we all ha- had the assumptions at the beginning. Okay, well, maybe she's a Palpatine clone. Maybe she's this. Maybe she's that. Maybe she's not any of that. I mean, it's maybe she's just a possible Force-sensitive clone with that's just a cool character that I hope she doesn't bite the bullet, but I mean, it's, we, we got how many more episodes left? I think nine. I think we have, yeah, we have two Not months. Enough. Worth of, we have two yeah. months worth of, hey, easy. We're getting, we're getting Star Wars right now, Ray. I mean, <laughs> I know, but I want more. <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm, yeah. When I heard it was 13 episodes, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's a lot. But then again, I was like, man, those, those first seasons of Clone Wars are like 22 episodes long, you know, like, come on, come on, Lucasfilm, give us, give us a whole year's worth of stuff but uh yeah. but uh i i don't know like I, I love the fact that i mean i'm not making fun of people but people were like is she gonna be important or anything i was like well her last name her name is omega like and i was like i was like well, that's a very big big like like it's a big deal that her name is omega that, that means she's the last one yeah so something right. she is super important and they're like, I don't see it. I'm like, okay, never mind. So, I don't, you know, but um, but I'm really glad with how Bad Batch is going. And this last episode, um, we were talking about it right before we started recording. It's like it made Return of the Jedi a lot more sad. After, but we don't know who. It, so you said well, there's some stuff that we can clear up. Yeah, there we go. So is that the infamous rancor that Luke kills in Return of the Jedi? Do we have an answer? 
Yes and no. So the Rancor that Luke kills in Return of the Jedi is a male, and the name is Patissa. That's the name of that Rancor. Batista? I'm just kidding, not Batista. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people think you're saying Batista, but no, it's Patissa. Batista. So I never knew he had, when did, when did that name come out finally like I think it came out in something that was kind of non-canonish but everyone kind of accepted it as canon okay. Okay. so it might be a quasi retcon to make the rancor female and have the name of Moochie. Mm-hmm. so I guess the timeline and the aging for the rancor kind of lines up a little bit to where it could be the rancor but are they going to kind of retcon it in a way? We don't know. There was an article that came out on Yahoo that really detailed it the way I just explained it. But a lot of people are, are like going with, yeah, that's the Rancor from Return of the Jedi. No doubt, 100%. And it's sad. And it's like, well, I mean, we don't know for sure yet. I, I, I didn't think so at first. Part of me, one of my friends was like, well, we don't know how old they are, how how fast they grow. And they're like, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, during that span between then and Return of the Jedi, you know, she gets bigger and then there she is. Or they grow really, really fast. She has a child and the child is the one that is the one to Return of the Jedi, you know. So I think it's funny that we're arguing about if this is the, you know what I mean? Like, like we've gotten to that point in Star Wars where we're like, is this the Rancor? Is this not the Rancor? Like, what is this thing, you know? And that's all we took away from that episode. We didn't take away anything else from that episode. Yeah, I think um, I think it might be, if it's not the same one, it's probably like a relative. It has um, to be a relative. Yeah, but to, yeah. Tech, like, specifically mentions that it's an, an adolescent, I think. Mm-hmm. I think juvenile. Juvenile. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's it's a young Rancor whatever age it is it's young so timeline wise i mean i don't know how long rancors live but it could be um if it was an adult at that point i'd say it's probably less likely but being that it's a kid rancor (laughs) it could but i don't know then again you know they might grow really fast and I don't know. It, it's just it's just really funny that it was like it, it took me when I first saw the Rancor in, in the show. I was like, oh, that oh, it's a Rancor. This is cool. But then as it's, as it's progressing, I'm thinking, wait a second. It's not a like, coincidence. I was like, who was she talking? And then when you see Bifford, I was like, oh, no, that can't <laughs> be a, just a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing we did get in this episode uh, was the mention of the guild. We finally got the name the guild when she's talking about the bounty hunters and i was like oh man like there it is we finally they're finally getting into mandalorian lore with with this with the show now so i was really happy to hear that so mandalore lore yeah mandalore that's that's i'm not gonna say that but uh i'm gonna say mandalorian lore but no i mean were you did you catch that were you happy to hear that they're finally starting to to bring in mandalorian into the newer stuff yeah, it's great that all the Easter eggs. Yeah, there, there was there's a few Easter eggs in there. Like what? You, what else did you see? So there is Boba Fett's prototype helmet in the back there. Ah, oh. beautiful. So I, know I don't know if that's just a random or no. It's felony. There's no way he was like, let's just put a no. It's well, I I mean, does it mean something? You know, because I mean, is that foreshadowing possible teenager Boba Fett showing up? I think it's just a cool Easter egg. (laughs) And uh, Django Fett's blasters are up top there. What? 
Okay, those two combined makes me think it's a little more likely that we could see Boba Fett. Oh, we're I, I'm ninety eight percent certain we're gonna see Boba Fett. We're gonna see a teenage Boba Fett because if Phoenix Shan is after Omega, everyone else is already after her. So I I I was certain whenever she showed up, I was like, oh, we're seeing more. We're, we're gonna get more adventures, and I think we're gonna get a young Boba Fett. But why does she have his guns? Like, why does she have his blasters? Maybe this uh, Trandoshan is uh, there's more to the eye. There's more that. Uh... To Sid, I mean, maybe she's going to be a recurring character. Maybe we see her in live action. Maybe, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of possible backstory here with these Easter eggs. And so, so do you potential. think she's do you think she's a part of the guild? And we're going to see uh, Carl Weathers as well. Possibly grief Karga. Yeah, I mean, she could be this uh, kind of version. Uh, this show's version of like Maz Kanata in a way, kind of like the one central character that connects a lot of storylines and a lot of other characters. And that's another thing. I want to see Maz Kanata somewhere. Yeah. This, like, why would they not go somewhere to be safe? And it's Maz's castle. Like mm-hmm. that. Every book that's written about Star Wars now, she's in there somehow. Like she makes an appearance and it's awesome every single time. Cause you're like, yes, Maz. Do you, do you, I mean, I want to see it. Do y'all want to see Maz Kanata somewhere in this? Bad batch. I love Maz. I'd like to see her in anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised she hasn't shown up in Mandalorian yet. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's one of those things that you're like, man, I just want to see her. I don't know. My my favorite new meme now is uh Rosario Dawson. Um it was I guess it was behind the scenes. She's sitting there texting on her phone in full Ahsoka makeup. And it was like Ahsoka during Battle of Yavin, Battle of uh Hoth, Battle of Endor. That and yeah. she, like just, she's just sitting there like just gonna sit here and relax and then finally she comes out to help them you know what i mean so i thought that was really funny but uh, well i think we mentioned it someone mentioned it in the facebook group that there's no kind of like movies in star wars that are like as prolific as what we have here on earth and there's like no cnn or fox news or anything like that in in outer space so no one knows current events really so well but, but then okay sorry go on ray um well i mean so in the Queen's in Queen's Shadow, um, in between some of the chapters, there's like news headlines about Padme. So and then they also talk about like hacking like news networks. So there's some kind of news happening somewhere. There's I think a lot of it's like tabloidy. Mm. But yeah, there is yeah. some some sort of news format specific i know like in coruscant we'll also look at the first episode of season two of mandalorian they're all watching the death star blow up like that's all they're watching is the death star blowing up and everyone's cheering about it so right right but so we didn't they, they didn't get to see the duel between skywalker and vader and palpatine get thrown over they just know he died yeah true that's a man I, what was i reading i was reading something and they were like oh i was reading the the, the vader the new vader comics mm. um and um they were talking about how like we don't know oh, something to the effect of we're like we don't know what happened to palpatine like where did palpatine go like it, it was it was it was really cool to, to hear that like oh yeah there is a whole side of star wars and in, in the star wars world where they don't know what happened happened to palpatine really you were just going off of what luke says but he could be lying you know what i mean like he could have helped them escape and all this other stuff. And so I, I like that there's that 
those arguments can happen in, in Star Wars too. And like you said, you see the Death Star explode, but you don't get to see exactly what was going on. So who knows? Maybe Ahsoka doesn't really know what's happening. But I don't know. It's, it, stuff like that in Star Wars always makes me laugh whenever you really think about something, a certain thing. Like you're like, you know, Ahsoka was alive during all of that. Why didn't she come and help a little bit? You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I know we're going to get an explanation, but stuff like that always makes me laugh when people point stuff like that out. But yeah. <laughs> what, did, were there any other Easter eggs in uh, Bad Batch? Uh, some people think that there was maybe a, a, a lightsaber hilt uh, in Sid's uh, office area. And um, the other thing, too, that we saw were those light whips that that one uh, race was using. And, and oh, those yeah, have yeah. appeared in Clone Wars before. Yeah, and they have the same type of technology as as a lightsaber, but uh, uh, they're made up uh, obviously of, of a different way. So, um, I think that was pretty much it for the big stuff. Um, yeah, we we covered Moochie. Yeah, um, good old Moochie. Yeah, Wrecker and Moochie fighting was the funniest thing. Like they're both tired, but they're still like, "I gotta hit you! Yeah. I gotta hit you over here!" It was so funny. So yeah, the next thing I actually wanted to talk about was this guy right here. So Zack Snyder, of course, uh, love him or hate him, I guess. Uh, director <laughs> of <laughs> Man of Steel, director of Watchmen, director of Dawn of the Dead, and now Army of the Dead on Netflix. Uh, and director he... of Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. Yeah. <laughs> such prolific movies such as that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> So, yeah, he did a podcast where he talked about uh, when he met with Lucasfilm pre The Force Awakens and had a discussion with them on doing a remake of a Kurosawa film. And I'm guessing it's uh, Seven Samurai, but he wanted to do it in the Star Wars universe, basically remake the film, but in a Star Wars theme. Uh, so he talked about that a little bit. And uh, they asked him, okay, so would he, would, he, would he have used characters that we all knew? He said, no, it would have been all brand new characters. And I think he was also asked, if, what are his feelings on Star Wars today? And he, he basically answered that there's no way he could ever not like Star Wars. There's no way, he could, no way ever he could hate Star Wars. Wow. So, because Star Wars has such a special place for so many people, his age, my age, James's age, Ray's age, all ages really. But that first generation for the original trilogy, that's what kind of sparked the interest and, and the dreaming that all these current filmmakers have. And um, it's what inspired everyone. And going back to what James said about the directors being asked to do Star Wars, I mean, it, it, it's such a huge responsibility uh, to to come back and be an established director and having Star Wars as one of your first loves or the first thing that made you think that anything was possible on screen to come back and do a film. But I think personally, a Zack Snyder Star Wars film would be really cool. I, I think he'd do a really good job. I did see his recent film on Netflix. I didn't think it was all that great, but... I mean, he has done some really great films, and we kind of got the promise at the very beginning when Disney bought Lucasfilm that we're going to see all kinds of different directors and different stories and different characters. 
we haven't seen a whole lot of that. Uh, and yeah, once once we got the sequel trilogy and then we got the Star Wars story with Rogue One, I thought we were just going to get film after film yeah. after film. It didn't happen, but we're now we're getting TV show after TV show. This might actually be the better trajectory of what and how we consume Star Wars live action. True. So. But but I'm not going to lie, though. If if Zack Snyder is allowed to do what he need, what he wants to do, mm-hmm. it could be amazing. Like Watchmen, I hated this extended edition of Watchmen was amazing. Batman vs Superman, I wasn't a big fan of, but the extended one, I was like, there you go. In Justice League, it was is the big one where it was like, man, that was that was awesome. So for me, if, if Snyder were to ever do a Star Wars movie, which I mean, I don't know, it's probably never going to happen, but if he did, Kennedy would just have to be like, do what you want to do. Make it a four-hour-long Star Wars movie. Just just go. I mean, I would watch a four-hour-long Star Wars movie that was directed by Zack Snyder. I mean, I'm just going to say that. Would, you, would y'all do the same, or would y'all be like, that's too long? I'd watch a four-hour Star Wars anything. <laughs> I remember, we all wanted Rise of Skywalker to be that long, remember? We were all like, it has to be a three-and-a-half-hour-long movie, but they were like, nah, nah, it can't be three-and-a-half hours long. Yeah, in a certain way, Star Wars is kind of like Teflon. I mean, people are always going to go out to see Star Wars, and it's just kind of splitting hairs. Okay, so do you want to make 1.2 billion, or do you want to make 1.8? And you know, I mean, it, you're still going to make a lot of money from whatever you release. Um, and I think it's always the best thing to do, unless it's totally awful to let the creators create and give them their space let them do their thing that's why i want to see a ryan johnson trilogy i want to see a brand new characters brand new world brand new story something totally divorced from what we've seen before Mm -hmm. and if you just give him that time i think he could do something great and something that everyone would love but yeah Zack snyder i mean he's a very kind of hit or miss director but (laughs) I, I have a soft spot for him uh, because I, I kind of feel like I know that making a movie is super hard. And it's there's so many aspects of, of going into making something incredible. And I think the Star Wars sandbox should be opened up for more directors, more creators, more ideas. There's so many directors out there. There's so many writers out there that could do some great stuff. Um, so... <laughs> How how much was Ryan Johnson's uh, Netflix contract for? He's getting a hundred million dollars, I think, straight up. Him, Rom, his producer, who also produced The Last Jedi, and I think Daniel Craig as well is getting a lot of money. It kind of makes me um, makes me laugh. I mean, I'm not okay. I'm not, but people were like, "Man, Ryan Johnson's the, you know the worst. He ruined everything." And I'm like, "Man, he still made like a huge deal with like he's getting a hundred million dollars to make." Uh, write and direct the movie that he wants. I think they said he has to do two, right? He has to do two, two, two of these Knives Out sequels, if you may. Yeah, and, do a trilogy. Yeah, and the cast is already looking incredible. So people in Hollywood really like this director. I mean, if you see yeah, the everyone movie, wants to work with him. Everybody wants to work with Ryan Johnson. So I think after the second or the third Knives Out, if they're even going to call it that, I think we're going to see him jump back into Star Wars. I think he was like, I need to, I want to do what I want to do before I end up spending 10 years on another Star Wars movie. Cause that's ultimately what George Lucas would say. Like he says, it, it's a 10 year commitment making these movies. 
unless you're the sequel trilogy, then it's like a six year commitment to making these movies. But you know, it's 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 a huge commitment doing these things. I I, I wonder if that's what Johnson's doing, and that we're going to be getting that. And now with Taika doing his trilogy in 2023, and then we're still getting um, Kevin Feige's sometime. I don't know. I think going forward, David, your hope of all these other creators coming in, I think is going to start to happen very soon, but we just had to get through the sequel trilogy. Unfortunately, we just had to rush those things out. But yeah, with Dave Filoni now being the executive creative director, I'm kind of thinking now, well, maybe it's going to be more closed uh, more so than, than what we kind of hoped for uh, back when Disney made the purchase. Um, Because you do, like we talked about, you do need some sort of overseer, just like what we talk about this all the time. Kevin Feige oversees everything at Marvel and he makes the decisions. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll hire Edgar Wright to do Ant-Man, but uh, he has a totally different vision from what we want. And this whole 22 film epic that we want to release. So we need to let you go. We need to bring in someone else. And they brought in Peyton Reed to direct Ant-Man in the sequels. And then, of course, he directed the last episode of The Mandalorian, season two, with uh, Luke Skywalker. So, I mean, having Filoni there now, I think that it's it's maybe going to shut that down more. So, and we're probably going to see more people that aren't as established, like a Deborah Chow and um, Robert Rodriguez is super established. But, I mean, people that will play ball, I think, with, with Dave Filoni and the trajectory I think he thinks Star Wars should go. So it, it's maybe not going to happen that way with bringing in like the Christopher Nolans and I don't know. I, no I think we're all still waiting for Spielberg to do something. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, he wanted to do third or second unit of uh, A New Hope, but George Lucas told him no. <laughs> because yeah he because because they all liked spielberg but spielberg was um was studio spielberg was mm. the, the system and they all knew spielberg was a genius and that was part of the reason why lucas was like no i got it because he didn't want spielberg to one-up him <laughs> <laughs> and then if you ever read those interviews spielberg was always like yeah yeah let's do this and they're kind of like yeah not really no we don't want to no. So are you trying to say that Lucas and Spielberg are like frenemies in a way? <laughs> yeah, just like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think after Star Wars came out, Lucas was like, okay, I did something big. You did something or even so now we can work together. I think now they can. But at that time during the 70s, like they're like the late 70s and they were both trying to get established. He was like, you did Jaws. I'm not letting you touch my movie because that's going to be bigger than my movie. Like if you if I let people know Steven Spielberg helped with Star Wars there, that's all anyone's going to talk about. They're not going to. And so I think that's pretty funny. But I agree. Spielberg needs to do something Star Wars, because if you watch that documentary on the Rise of Skywalker, with the music of Star Wars, Spielberg is there listening to the final recording of The Rise of Skywalker. Not George Lucas, Steven Spielberg. And I was really confused why they made the big deal that there's like, oh my God, Steven Spielberg's here to, to watch this. And you're like, yeah, but it should have been George. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think Spielberg has always wanted to be a part of Star Wars, but just can't quite, just never could quite get it. Even though he did, I think, all the, the action sequences and the animations for Revenge of the Sith, he, I don't know. Anyways, 
Like, <laughs> nobody needs to do that. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, guys. I haven't been on here in a while. I apologize. That's all good. As long as it's Star Wars related. I don't want I don't want Ray over here to be like, I hate you. Ray, I love your costume back there, by the way. That looks amazing. She's that, finally done. Oh, yeah, I was showing people at work your pictures. I was like, check this out. And they were like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah, so that's that's pretty awesome. So are are you are you um so what's the next step? Like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do now with uh, like you gotta take her to, to events, you gotta go to Star Wars Celebration wearing wearing her or Colin is conspiring to get me to celebration. I think he's got an outline of a plan. So hopefully. <laughs> I, just, I just heard the Mission Impossible theme playing. I don't know. Yeah. He's gotta be like, all right, here, put this on and wear this mask. Be like, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. I, I'm hoping I'm also trying to conspire to, to go to celebration as well, Ray. So we're hopefully we can figure something out because David said he doesn't think they're gonna do any more passes. Right? Is that what you said? Like you don't think they're gonna Well, I mean, even if they don't, I mean the light ticket exchange is gonna be there. So many people are gonna cancel because they moved the date from August to May, and that's graduation time, so a lot of people might not go, including myself. I hope my daughter graduates in June, not May. Which... You need to call them right now and tell them that. Like, you well, need to tell the, the, the schedule, well, I mean, school school schedules change all the time. They yeah, usually exactly. move dates exactly. back and not forward. So if there's like, if we have another snow day, which is probably not going to happen because that doesn't happen for decades over here in South Texas. That was weird. Y'all missed or if it, it floods, that that's also kind of a rare occurrence. But sometimes it does kind of happen and they shut school down or or whatever other reason could be, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going. So Ray and I are <laughs> over here. Like we are hoping we are going to go and I am probably, I'm not going to, I'm probably going to be living there uh, around that time. So um, that's, that's kind of exciting. And I can probably sneak in just saying, cause it's a huge building. I'm just kidding. I around, <laughs> I, uh, last time I was there in, uh, in Anaheim, I drove around there and I was like, Oh, this place is freaking huge. Like I was just driving all just around this complex. And then yeah, Disneyland is just a walk away from there. So definitely going to go to galaxy's edge when that's going on. So that's really, really exciting. And yeah. so we've all been to galaxy's edge. Now we've all finally, we've all finally done David. I'm really glad you finally got to go. Just saying. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so before we, uh, I don't know. So blue milk or green milk? What was y'all's? Uh... I never tried green milk. I just Me had neither. the blue milk. And so blue milk is amazing. Blue milk was amazing. I wanted, I that's all I wanted to drink the whole time. <laughs> I want the recipe. They They put, okay, so here's the funny thing. They put like recipes online, but it's never the complete, recipe so there's always something missing when you drink it you're like that doesn't taste like well they have to release ingredients for like allergies but they don't tell you how you make it you can have a list of ingredients but that doesn't really get you anywhere i I bought the the big cup the where you get the the, it was like a 20 dollar thing of the blue milk filled up in there it was amazing took me a couple hours to drink it and i was like can i get a refill they're like no and i was like god Damn it. I was hoping I was like, I'll pay like five bucks or you know, ten bucks for a refill. They're like, no. And I was like, all right, that's cool. I was really disappointed. But I wore that thing around my neck and I just had it like this, like a child just drinking it the whole like the whole time I was walking around. And it was oh man, it was so much fun. But I can't wait to go back. So yeah, speaking of Galaxy's Edge and Easter eggs and the Bad Batch, um I found out something 
yesterday, I think. So I bought this pen at Galaxy's Edge. Nice. Oh, Ooh. yeah. You have the, the whole Bad Batch. You have Echo, Wrecker, Tech, Hunter, and, of course, Crosshair. At the bottom, away from everybody. Yeah, yeah really? at the bottom, away from everybody. So you actually take the pen out, which I'm doing this for the first time ever. So you take the pen off. There's two of the uh, backings to pull the pen out from the, and I'm doing it right now. So once you pull out the bottom one, you actually remove crosshair and there's a logo behind him. So yeah, there's a little Easter egg there. (laughs) That is awesome. With the 99 logo. So yeah, he's right here now detached from. Oh my gosh. That's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That's really cool from Lucasfilm yeah. to do that. Yeah, so I was there my, the whole time. <laughs> my, my Bot 2 uh, coffee mug. Um, I'm pretty excited. I didn't get the other ones I wanted to get, but I was like, that's too many. That's too much that's stuff too to buy on May 4th. But, mm-hmm. uh, but man, I, I can't wait. I cannot wait until Taika's trilogy starts. We get the new trilogy, like what Galaxy's Edge is going to do for that oh my gosh it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool but we'll see anyways what else today anything else today so the the last thing i want to talk about could be a huge potential spoiler for the book of boba fett and (laughs) 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 not real not for us really but i think the average listener here they might not want to listen to the very end of what I'm about to say. But I got some pictures here. Uh, it was rumored that uh, one of the working titles, like what Star Wars always famously does, Blue Harvest, um, they came up with a title, with a working title for a TV show, and a lot of people thought it was Mandalorian Season 3, but it's not. Apparently, it's Book of Boba Fett. And, of course, they made... What they always make is the crew shirts and merch for just the people working on the Book of Boba Fett. So the working title for the Book of Boba Fett is Buccaneer. And here's some of the merch that they handed out to uh, the crew there. And so you can clearly see Buccaneer Season 1, which does that implicate that there's going to be more seasons of Book of Boba Fett? I don't know. But if you look at the picture there, it looks like it's a Wookiee. And maybe like a Gamorrean guard or something. Because yeah. you can see the, the axe there. So there's reports that there's a Wookiee on set. So maybe that Wookiee has more to do with the storyline. I don't know. There's there's actually a Wookiee in the comic books that uh, is kind of famous now. Uh, that's also a bounty hunter that can make an appearance. Um, and I mean, if it's not a Wookiee, then it's like Sasquatch. It's a a Yeti. It's a Yeti. That's a Wookiee if I ever saw a Wookiee. Yeah. Yeah. So. And he's holding a, uh, is that Imperial Blaster? Is that what he's holding? Uh, Yeah, it looks like it. It it definitely does look like it. The the end of the barrel. The camera department. That's. Right. I'm glad you pointed that out. So that leads me to the huge potential spoiler but first i want to show you this picture so uh tamira morrison was doing a signing and he's wearing oh. a crew hoodie that says buccaneer on it i want that right oh. now i need that in my life right now that is beautiful i hope they sell those please lucasfilm sell those at the disney store i will buy it 
so leading back to this legacy effect legacy effects is um a workshop just like ilm that worked on the mandalorian and helped do effects for season one season two and they were very instrumental on a certain aspect of the mandalorian and I saw a picture. I tried to find it this morning of the picture that that's possibly the huge spoiler, but I cannot find it anywhere. So I'm asking myself, did it get wiped? Did, did someone get contacted by Lucasfilm to take it down? So that left image Buccaneer season one is on a crew t-shirt on the back of the t-shirt. Nice. But on the front of the t-shirt is what I want to talk about. So on the left side of the t-shirt is a head of a character. And I don't know if it's just because it's it's kind of like the now mascot of Lucasfilm, but Grogu is on the front of that t-shirt. Oh. So I don't think that tells us that Grogu is in in the show or does it tell us that he's possibly in the show? And the fact that Legacy Effects did all, like a lot of the Grogu work on season one, season two, does that mean that we're going to get Grogu sooner than we thought back oh, into man. TV? I, I'm going to Which would make a lot of sense because Filoni's involved with Boba Fett. I mean, he was involved with Mandalorian. Grogu's a huge character. It would be a big shock, a big surprise unless you're listening to this, this podcast <laughs> Design-wise, it wouldn't really make sense to put Grogu on the crew shirts unless he was somehow involved. Like, even just, like, in passing. But then why would you put it on the shirt? Because you know it's going to get photographed. It's going to get Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I think think Grogu is now the official face of Star Wars. I think him... I think him being on the shirt is them being, like... This is still in the same world as the Mandalorian, so we're still doing Star Wars. And I think now that, like I said, Grogu, because I, when I went to Downtown Disney last month, everybody had Grogu was everywhere. Everybody mm-hmm. had a Grogu shirt on, and it was adorable. And I was like, Star Wars is back, yes. And <laughs> I, I and, and I think that's what they're doing is they're showing like, hey, hey he's it's it's Star Wars, it's Grogu. Yeah. So, I mean, what, oh, sorry, whether or not he's in the show, I don't think he's going to be anywhere for a, at least a year or two. We're not going to see Grogu at all for a while. And, and if Grogu's back, guess who else is coming back? Luke Skywalker. Oh, but yeah. why? But why? Why? Like the because Boba Luke and Boba been... have a history. But and they... Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> Tommy Lee. I, I don't. Oh yeah, exactly. Now he's Tommy Lee. What the, what the, but no. Um, I, 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 if I were Lucasfilm and Filoni and Favreau, I would say let's leave Grogu. Let's have that adventure happen, and let's have this happen. I don't. I don't think they should cross over. But you know what though? Here's the thing. I want to be wrong. I want Grogu back. Episode one, shot one. All right. I want him back immediately. Oh, but in my mind. Man. But in my mind, I'm thinking, man, what if I saw this TikTok video and it was this this little girl, like she must be like three or like two or three years old watching the Mandalorian and Grogu being taken away and she is just crying. Just just oh. crying. And he's like, What's wrong? He she, he had to go. She's like, No, no, he didn't have to go. And I was like, That was me when I was watching the last episode of the Mandalorian. 
I was texting my wife going like, no, don't, don't go, Grogu. It is really cute because like at the library, some kids will come in who want Star Wars books, but they ask for Grogu books. Oh, (laughs) you know what? That's awesome. It's Star Wars. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're going to get introduced to the Mandalorian and then you're going to be like, but wait, there's all of this the, everything else is there too for you to watch. Yeah, like well, I over, I saw one one little kid picked up a Clone Wars DVD off of the kids movie section and oh, said, man. "I found a baby Yoda." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my heart!" <laughs> it's ha- it happened, man. Star Wars. We we got to witness Star Wars introduced to a whole new generation. Like we got to see that all happen, and then even people who are my age or younger are like. I got to see what it's all about now. Like it's everywhere. And I was like, yes, I'm like, I'm like that one meme of uh, Homer Simpson on the couch with Bart, like <laughs> patting the couch. Next to me, like, <laughs> like just like this, come here. I got something cool to show you. And speaking of, speaking of that, let's check it out. This is my, uh, my background. I made mean, my, uh, my new uh, screen protector or my phone to protector. You got a Soka down there at the bottom. It's all backwards, but this is the actual fan art Lucasfilm had on Disney plus they had merchandise from it on Amazon and I was able to find this. So this was the Mandalorian one and I was really, really happy. And then of course my, I love Van Gogh. So that is amazing. You see that? Hey, you see that purple light? Like that's weird. That's weird. Let's not, recorded. Let's, not, let's not worry about that. Apple. Oh, yours wow. does it too. Does mine do it? I think I think that's the oh, sensor my- trying to. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so, Pride of Prejudice. How did you feel about that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Obsessed. I, I probably I probably watched that movie for the first time like a couple of months ago. And it was great. It was it's great. my favorite anyway. film of all time. But that's a different <laughs> that's a different topic. <laughs> but yeah, in the case you don't know, we we shine our, our phones at the screen and the purple infrared is trying to scan a face and it's actually flashing and it's kind of creepy. But anyways, what's yours? Oh, yours is a Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, that's a photo I took. I wasn't showing the photo. I was just looking for the purple flashing. <laughs> oh, no, because it's not scanning anymore. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this question. I, I but I do have this case that I bought. I want oh, that case so bad. I almost bought that one. I almost bought yeah. that was like the next case I was gonna buy until I saw that they had the the, the May fourth uh, art, and I was like, I gotta get that's that's freaking adorable. Yeah, my but, phone died, and so I was forced to upgrade to the twelve, and I got the twelve mini, and they don't make they don't make cool cases like that for twelve minis. Bunch of jerks. I almost bought a twelve no. mini. Well, that's it. Lucasfilm, make some 12 mini cases for yeah, us, please. please. Ray, Ray needs one. Um, so are, are you as uh, pretentious as I am whenever somebody calls it <laughs> Star Wars Land, uh, when we're talking about Disney, <laughs> and you're like, it's called Galaxy's Edge. Like, do you do that, or am I just a complete jerk and need to, like, shut my mouth whenever people say that? I'm fine I'm, with it. I sometimes have to call it that to people who have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> I always say the Star Wars, the Star Wars theme park at Disneyland. Like, oh, Star Wars Land. I'm like, I did it. I gave up on the Baby Yoda thing, though. Like, I, I when people say Baby Yoda in front of me. I'm just like, yes, him. Because <laughs> I can't. Because the moment I say his name is Grogu, they just go, what? And they have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, Star Wars has a history of saying things differently, like ATAT, Yadat, Han, Han. 
hand. I, still, <laughs> I, still, I will never get over that. My my, I love my theory that they told Billy D. Williams like this is his name, and he was just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pronounce it hand, and they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I love that Grogu. The name, and we talked about this before, is George Lucas's name. Like every letter from Grogu is in George Lucas's name. Like I'm pretty sure that's how Favreau did it. He yeah, had written out. He's like, I got the G. At the R, oh, and he was looking at the last name, and he goes, "And I got the U." <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We got Grogu's name, and that yeah. name is just the best. I don't know. Anyways, anyways, we talked too much. Oh my gosh, this I think this is like the longest podcast we've we've done in a long time. Uh, I think last week's was like an hour forty-five. Yeah, oh, so, I don't know. Ten, ten more minutes. Let's do it. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But uh, anything else, David, or? We cover all the bases. Uh, I think that's about it as far as uh, big news goes. Um, but I do want to say, even if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, go out to Apple, search us up, give us a five-star rating, write a review. That helps out the podcast a lot. And we're also on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube, Star Wars Stuff Podcast. We're almost at 600 subscribers, so I'm going to put this podcast out on YouTube. You can watch us. I, we use some graphics. You can see the purple flashing lights. Um, <laughs> And of course, you can find us on Twitter at Stuff Pod. We've been posting a lot there on Twitter, Instagram, of course, uh, at Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Of course, we have our Facebook group where a lot, a lot of, people of people participate. Joining. Yeah, people joining, participating, yeah. liking the memes, putting up theories, putting up stuff that they purchased. And I actually promised someone I'd kind of talk about this. I got this book, oh, which yeah. is the first uh, season for The Mandalorian. It's very thin. But it's full of like very like huge pictures from the set and concept art. And one interesting picture that I found, I'll oh, show you please. some of the pictures here. Oh, that's so cool. So I don't think any of us had ever seen the armor without her helmet. And we know who the actress is. Her name is Emily Swallow. And here's a really nice picture of Quill. You can see his green eyes. Jeez, that makeup was insane. Yeah. It was so well done. Yeah, God. the hairs on his face. So yeah, we I don't think they had posted anywhere what um what the character was underneath the helmet. So yeah. there's a whole section on these characters here. Armorer. And you get to see finally what she looked like underneath the helmet. So there nice. she is. Nice. Her fight sequence is one of my favorite. Yeah, like I was that was bad. <laughs> so yeah, there she is with Favreau as well. Oh, holding a tool, and none of that in the background is is actually there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I, another thing about this book is the fact that it talks about the planets uh, that we never get named on the show, like Arvala Seven, and it doesn't uh, give us a name for the ice planet. Just says simply ice planet on there so Jerks. but it gives a, a little blurb about each each planet and i thought that's that's always interesting because a lot of people don't know and are not sure what the names of some of these planets are so and it, and it details characters um and, talks uh, about some of the ships the atst that's on that uh episode where uh bryce dallas howard directed and uh yeah some cool artwork and you get a nice shot of the helmets Ooh. Ooh. oh that's so beautiful 
I remember yeah. that shot in episode three when um when all the the Mandalorians come up in the air on their jetpacks. Yeah. I could imagine Filoni was probably in tears, like, "Oh my gosh, it happened!" Like I like I finally got that image. And I remember when I saw that image, I was like, "Wow, that is impressive." But man, I'm so glad Mandalorian like redefined Star Wars. Like, yeah, I'm glad mm-hmm. it, it happened. It's what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, all right. I guess uh I guess we're good for the day. We almost got an hour forty five. We almost made it, guys. I'm sorry. We didn't quite didn't quite get there, but uh we did our best today. <laughs> but um but yeah, like David said, look us up on all the social media platforms. We're all there and yeah, that's about it. Yeah. You wanna sign us off? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, dude. I'm like stalling here for time. So yeah. <laughs> You're like, we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Almost there. Yeah. So, yeah, for Ray, James, I'm David. May the force be with you. Always. Always. Pew, 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 pew.